Hello and welcome to the Hope Midtown Podcast. We are so glad that you could tune in. You are about to listen to our latest sermon from this past Sunday. We hope that you are blessed and this word ministers to you. For more information, visit our Instagram page at Hope Midtown. That is H-O-P-E-M-I-D-T-O-W-N, Hope Midtown. Now, here's our latest sermon. So Solomon read our lovely, uh, long Isaiah passage, and I'm not going to reread the whole thing for you, but I do want to just dive right in uh, as we look through what is Isaiah doing and what does he have to do with this proclamation. So the prophet Isaiah, if you know anything about him or heard of him before, he was a prophet to the city of Jerusalem, the land of Judah, and his, his whole job was to speak, was to proclaim. Because that's what a prophet did. They spoke for the Lord. They shared what God was doing and what God wanted to share with the people. But Isaiah's prophecy often are called messianic prophecies as well. Meaning Isaiah was talking to the people at the time, giving them news for their time and their context. But was also proclaiming something or sharing something that was going to happen in the future as well. So this message that's given here in Isaiah 52 isn't just for the people of Jerusalem, but it's also for those who were to come, including us. So let's, let's look at uh, verse 1. Isaiah starts off by saying, Awake, awake, Zion. Get up, wake up, clothe yourself in strength, put on your garments of splendor. And then in verse 2, he says, shake off the dust and rise up, Jerusalem. And I love that he starts this uh, chapter like this because it gets you excited, right? Like you're, he's saying, get up, people. I'm about to share something so good. Like this news, this message that I'm about to proclaim is going to be life-changing. Sleep is not worth it right now. And it reminds me of a few years back. So I am not a good sleeper. I often wake up at like 4 a.m. And instead of like doing the right thing of like listening to soothing music to go back to sleep, I scroll on social media. Uh, So I remember a few years ago I was scrolling and I saw that David Bowie had died, uh, who's an artist. Hopefully you know who David Bowie is. (laughs) Anyway, he died and my husband is a huge David Bowie fan. And I just thought, this is such important news. Like, I have to share this with him right now. Like, he will be so upset. I need to let him know. I have to be the first to tell him. So I turn over. I shake him real hard. I'm like, wake up, man, wake up, wake up. And he's like, what? I'm like, David Bowie died. And he was so disoriented. I don't think he knew what was happening. So it took him a few hours until he woke up to process it. But I just felt like there is no waiting till a reasonable hour. This news needs to be shared now. And I envision that that is Isaiah in this chapter. He's like, I'm not waiting for you to wake up to get yourself together. I'm telling you, Jerusalem, this is so good. Get up, put on your nicest garment because something great is about to happen. There's some good news that is about to be shared with the city. So then we continue to read. What is this good news? What is happening? What is Isaiah sharing? Well, he says that there is salvation coming. 
that redemption is coming, that these people in Jerusalem and Judah who had been under Assyrian rule, rule from an outside land for so many years, and then before that, I'm sure if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know that the land of Israel had been under different rule over and over and over again. The people were in Egypt, the verse even reminds us before, like long before that. So these people know oppression. They are familiar with lack of freedom. And he is telling them, wake up because guess what? Salvation is coming. Peace is coming. You are going to be redeemed by who? The sovereign Lord. And the Lord, the sovereign Lord is the one who speaks here. He is the one in verse four and continues that tells him about, yes, I know that you are oppressed. I see what you've been through, but I am coming. People will no longer mock me. They will no longer blaspheme my name, but I am coming and I am going to bring salvation and good tidings and redemption. And the, they will know it is me because yes, it is I. And I, I also just adore that because when I read the it is I and the New American Standard, which is the version that I tend to read often, uh, it translates God saying here, here am I. That God is the one giving this message of salvation from the mountains outside of Jerusalem. And I remember when I read that, here am I, or it is I, I was like, where have I heard this before in the book of Isaiah? And then immediately I flipped back through, or scrolled back through, and went back to the beginning of Isaiah's call as a prophet. And if you remember then, and if you don't, I'm going to describe it for you, Isaiah gets this vision from the Lord. Like he was transported into this vision of God seated on the throne, highly exalted. His glory is filling the entire temple. There are angels singing his praise. And Isaiah is undone. He doesn't know what to do with this glorious picture and vision of God. And then God speaks to Isaiah and he says to him, I have a message to send to the people. Who will I send? And Isaiah responds, here am I. Here am I, Lord, send me. So Isaiah, this faithful servant who goes out to give the message of Jesus, is now speaking in, 50, in Isaiah 52, saying, it's not him. It's not Isaiah who's giving this message right now. But God himself, he said, it is I, I am going to tell the nation. I am going to tell the city. I am going to show the rest of the surrounding world who I am. And I am the God who brings salvation. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. And in this passage, it is God's beautiful feet. And if you uh, know anything, uh, again, about scripture, as we were talking about that, that prophecy speaks about what is to come as well, we know as Christians that Jesus, God himself, has come to bring good news about salvation. 
So this is a foreshadowing of the beautiful feet of God himself, Jesus, coming to the earth to bring salvation to the people, to the city, and to the world. That like blew my mind when I read this, to think that that God uses us, but ultimately he is the one that brings the news of salvation. And I also think that this is uh, interesting, a little um, historical and cultural context about like this mountain imagery. So uh, I love Israel. I'd worked in Jewish ministry for a long time before doing the work that I'm doing now. And I spent a lot of time in Israel. Um, And the last time I was there, I lived in Jerusalem for a while with my family. And one of the things that I used to do when I was there was to travel back and forth from Tel Aviv, where the airport was, so it's north, a little further north, down to Jerusalem and back up again, over and over and over to pick up people. And I loved it. It was like a two and a half hour drive, but it was beautiful. The landscape of Israel is so like, there's such a variety. It's really lovely. Um, But one of the things that, you know, we read about like Jerusalem being on a hill But I never really grasped that until I actually was there and I would drive back from Tel Aviv and all of a sudden my ears would start popping. And I was like, why are my ears popping? Oh, of course, I'm going higher up in elevation. I'm going up to Jerusalem. So when the scriptures talk about in the Psalms, like they go up to Jerusalem, we go up to Jerusalem. It really means up to Jerusalem. And Israelis, when they speak about the city, they talk about going, are you going up to Jerusalem? And it reminds me a lot about, of New York, because when I first moved here, um, I lived in Brooklyn, and everyone was like, oh, are you going to the city today? Oh, that place is in the city. And I was like, don't we all live in the city? Isn't this whole thing the city? And then I realized, oh, they mean Manhattan. So now that I live in Manhattan, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the city. And I get why they call it the city, because it's the best one. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But this is very similar in Israel. They say, oh, are you going up to Jerusalem? Because Jerusalem is elevated. And then this was such a strategic, like, God is so good and creative, and such a strategic, like, plan for Jerusalem to be up on this hill because it's not only elevated, but it's also surrounded by a ton of mountains and other hills. And what Jerusalem would do was they use this as like a fortified guard for when enemies were coming to attack the city. That they would have people on the mountaintop surrounding the city, they were watching to see if the enemies were coming, and then they'd blow a horn called a shofar to let the watchmen, the people at the gates, know that an enemy was on its way. But here, the imagery is totally different. I mean, it's the same, but it's different. Now we have God himself giving the message from the mountaintop. Salvation is coming, not enemies, Not fear, not war, but salvation, peace, restoration for people who desperately needed it. It was coming from the mountains, and that message was being sent forth into the city. So to help us understand that, maybe I was thinking, it would be like if someone was standing on the Manhattan Bridge, and they were shouting like, 
Hear, O New York City, as of today and from this time forth, your rent is going to go down 50%. We would be so excited. Or what about, for those who have ears, let them hear, the coronavirus is over. We've completely just, it's done, it's over. Throw your masks out, go kiss people, random strangers on the street. <laughs> We're safe. We would be so excited. Or maybe this, maybe someone saying, listen, New York, those of you who have experienced oppression, listen, New York, those of you who are hurting and lonely, who are filled with anxiety, who don't know why you're even living in this city to begin with, those of you who are, are overwhelmed by the busyness of life, homeless on the streets, those of you who, who feel like there is no hope, those of you in the hospital, sick, salvation is coming. Freedom and peace is on its way. And it's the message is coming from the mountaintops and ju not just by anyone, but by God himself showing himself to our city that now hope is here and we can rejoice. What a beautiful picture. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. And then what happens to that news? What happens when the message comes down from the mountain? We see uh, in verse eight, it says that the watchmen get this news. So now the, the news is traveling. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices together. They shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. First-hand witnesses that God is bringing redemption and that he is good and that this news is, in fact, good. So now the watchmen, they are getting the news. They are sharing it with the city. And where does it go from there? Well, we continue reading, continue looking on that the news, they burst into joy, this is verse nine, burst into joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. The news was not just for those who could hear it, who were accessible at the time of its first proclamation, but no, the news has spread even to the ruins of the city, the dregs of the city. What does that look like for us today? Again, the sick, the marginalized, those of us who've experienced racial oppression, discrimination, and violence. The outcast, the LGBTQ who feel like they can't even come into a church because they might be judged or asked to leave, misunderstood. The hurting and the broken, the ruins of Jerusalem are receiving the good news and they shout with joy together. All the people, 
that salvation has come. And then it doesn't just stop there. Would have been good enough, but it doesn't just stop there. We read in verse 10, the Lord will lay bare his holy arms in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of God. So God himself is bringing salvation to the people of Israel, to Jerusalem. They are excited because they are getting this message that they have been waiting for. They spread that message throughout the entire city where all can hear and receive and rejoice. And then that message continues out to the whole world. And my friends, the whole world is us. We are the recipients of that very good news. We too can join in the joyful rejoicing and praising of God for he has brought that same redemption into our lives, into our hearts, into our situations. How beautiful are the feet of the one who brings good news. So what are we to do with it? What does that mean for us? Well, I believe it also doesn't just stop there. But now we are the proclaimers. We are the messengers of that same good news because we know what it's like to receive that redemption and salvation. We have heard it. We, like the watchman, have seen it with our own eyes. We are firsthand witnesses of God's transformation and love in our own lives. So we, too, can proclaim this truth to the whole earth, to the whole city, to the whole apartment building, to your friends, to your neighbors. And I, I know this is true, not just because it makes sense in my mind, but I know this is true because Romans in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes, echoing this same uh, idea, this same verse that was said, how beautiful are the feet. He says, how, how can anyone preach unless they are sent? We are sent. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Now it is our feet that are beautiful. It is our feet that are capable of proclaiming salvation, not just to those that we have access to, but to the ruins of our city. Is it still intimidating? I'm sure. <laughs> but what good news what compelling news can we share it? And does that mean then that you have to be that person on the subway who's like handing out little tracks and telling people Jesus loves them? I'm not asking you to do that. Does it mean you have to have a sign that says like you're going to hell if you don't believe in Jesus? Please, I'm definitely not asking you to do that. I'm gonna go ahead and say not a good method. <laughs> But what I do think that we can do is find ways of being proclaimers of the good news in the places where we are. Take small steps, but don't keep this news to yourself. Jerusalem didn't. 
So here are three ways where you can activate your beautiful feet as proclaimers of the good news. One, I would say keep your eyes on the mountain. Let's keep our eyes on the mountain looking at the giver of salvation, not just the salvation itself. And I will tell you, I am guilty of that. Sometimes I love the gift so much, all I want to talk about is the gift and go out and do and do and do, and I stop looking at the one who gave me that good gift. So let us meditate on God. Meditate on the scriptures. Meditate on the life and work of Jesus and see how good, savor how good that news actually is. Because when we do that, when that's a part of our everyday practice, I promise you there's no way you're going to be able to go out of your door and not have something natural to say. That's just an overflow of Jesus in your life. Secondly, um, I would say tell your story. And I'm not just saying tell the story of your testimony, which is like tell everybody about when you first heard about Jesus and then decided you wanted to follow him. Those are good things. Tell that story too. But your whole life, your whole life is a story of the goodness of God. So tell that story. So an example that, that for me is recently I uh, was at a conference this week with a couple of folks here, and um, there was a, a, a session on uh, racism in the church, in the Western church. And some backstory, so the building that the hub that our church has purchased on 31st Street that used to be a building that I worked in before it was the hub with another ministry. And in that very room that the, the conference was being held was a room where I had experienced very traumatic racial discrimination, where I had one of my coworkers tell me about the inferiority of black people. And it like just ruined me. It was terrible. I still cry over the hurt of, of those times that I experienced there. But then in that same room, I sat this week and listened to uh, Pastor Ronalda, who is one of the Hope Pastors in Hell's Kitchen, beautiful black woman, share about the evils of racism in the church. And she proclaimed over and over and over again that that racism, that attitude is a sin and an act of violence towards God's mission. And I wept. This place that harbored so much racial trauma for me was redeemed. And only God could do that. Only God could bring me back to that very place and have another woman of color share the truth about my pain. So what did I do? I went out on social media, and I posted all about it, and I told my friends, and I went up and told Ronaldo and a bunch of other people, and now I'm preaching about it today. <laughs> because I gotta share that good news. Tell your story. No one can argue with your story. It is yours. 
It's no theological debate. It's no philosophical debate. It's your life and your story. And I promise it will be a blessing, good news to those who hear it. And then lastly, don't be afraid, but know that God is with you. This is not a task that I'm saying you must do and go out and do it. And if you don't, you're a bad Christian. No, we have been invited into this. The gospel says even the rocks will cry out. So God doesn't need us, but he invites us in. And we don't have to be afraid because he is doing the heavy lifting. He is doing the work. He is going before us. And even the passage talks about this. It says at the very end, but you, it says to go before this. It says depart, depart, go from there, go from the city. But then it says, but you don't need to leave in haste. You don't need to go in flight for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. So God is walking before you and he is behind you. He is surrounding you as you go out and proclaim the good news of salvation to the world, to New York, to your offices, to your friends and family. So might it still be intimidating? Yes. But I encourage all of you, I hope that you've been excited today just this renewed excitement of, oh my gosh, Jesus is really that good. God has really done something great. And maybe you're not ready to share the good news, but this was the first time you heard it. And I hope that if you heard it today, that you grab hold of it.